Our text is Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 5 through 8. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 8. As a matter of fact, I'll just read through verse 11 this morning because it just kind of goes together. And one of the other things about the presentation this morning, it cut into my sermon time, so you're going to get the, uh, <clears throat> what do they call that, the abridged, the abridged portion. Okay, well, uh, they'll say that's impossible. He's never done an abridged, okay? So we'll find out. All right. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son. I like that, my son. God calls me my son. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they barely for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now, shall we pray? Father, I pray as we delve into your word this morning, I pray that Thy spirit would just use it as I can't use it and take it home to the heart as both a lamp and a light to lighten the understanding and help each of us to look at ourselves through the light of thy spirit and word and to see exactly the mind of God in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I have titled this message this morning, Profitable faith. We started a series on faith and, and uh, continuing that. And this morning I'm looking at profitable faith. Abraham's faith that he had, we looked at Abraham a little bit last week. His was a due faith, a faith that works in other words. Now, Abraham would have failures along life's way. When he had Sarah tell the king in two different times that she was his sister. How'd you like that, ladies, uh, for your husband to do that to you? That's my sister, okay? Well, he did that, and she complied. But a righteous man, now what he did was not righteous, but a righteous man falling down seven times doesn't stay down gets right back up again, and walks in the way of righteousness. And by the way, that is what Abraham did. 
As a matter of fact, God was able to save him. Wouldn't it be great if God could say this of all of us men? I know he will instruct his family, his household, and then his servants in the way of righteousness. He would instruct them in the word of God. You know, they didn't have the law at that time. They didn't have anything. All they had was what the word of God that was revealed to Abraham, and he taught them. And perhaps we should think about that. Could God say that of me, that I instructed my family in a word, something that Abraham didn't have here written, in a word that God has not only breathed out every word, but has preserved for us? We're without excuse, are we not? Now, Abraham did do some things wrong. There are no perfect Christians. The only man of all history that was ever perfect, a lifelong perfect person, was the Lord Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. He was 100% man. He was fully human. He had a human spirit, but he was also fully God. He had the Spirit of God upon him. People from the day Adam fell, Adam and Eve, including Adam and Eve, people from that time forward have been saved by grace through faith, never, never by keeping the law or a set of rules and standards. They don't even keep your salvation by working or keeping the law. You don't work to keep it. I was listening to our radio station this morning, and Dr. J.B. Buffington made a great statement. I, I, I just liked it. As a matter of fact, I wish I hadn't told you that. You would have thought I was smart. But uh, he said we are saved from sin. See, too many had the idea we're saved in sin. No, we're saved from sin. We don't continue to walk in evil. We don't continue to walk in the world. We don't continue to walk in that sin. We're saved from sin, not to sin. Sin has power over our flesh, but sin also has a penalty. But Jesus paid it all for us. He's the propitiation, the entire payment for our sin. Yes, Jesus paid it all. And we still Though we receive him as Lord and Savior, even after we are saved, we still have to wrestle with that old nature, the flesh that's within us. And yes, we still sin. That's why we read in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 and verse 9, these words. But if we walk in the light. When you see that word walk in the Bible, unless it's just very distinctive to show you it's talking about a guy walking across the, the street or just walking back and forth. Usually it means the way you're living your life. Is it for the Lord? So, but if we walk, and understand 1 John chapter 1, that is addressed to saved people. This is not telling the world how to get saved. This is addressed to saved people. But if we walk in the light, well, what is light? 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The Word, the light. And so, as we walk in the light, we walk in the Word, we walk according to His Word. As and he goes on to say, as he, that is speaking of Jesus, as he is in the light, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship, that is partnership, one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You say, well, wait a minute, I thought when I got saved, I got cleansed from sin, yes. But do you remember at the Last Supper, Jesus went about, washing their feet, and, and when he got to Peter, Peter said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. That's, you've humbled yourself. You know, so many people, there, there's still groups that have foot washing, and that's not necessarily wrong, okay? It's not necessarily wrong, but they do that. And they say it teaches us to be humble. That's fine, okay, that's fine. But sometimes I think we miss the meaning there because Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part with me. He said, not my feet, everything. Get, get me head to toe, Lord. I mean, everything. And the Lord says, he that's been washed need not but to cleanse his feet. You see, we walk in this world. We walk in this world. And so, as we walk in this world, we give in to temptation. There are things that we do. We sin. I believe we sin daily. That's why we should daily confess our sin to God. But, as we see the water of the Word, for its soap, it takes the blood of Jesus that's already been shed, that's already cleansed us, and cleans those feet that has been walking in this world. You see, you and I were risen to walk in newness of life. Therefore, if we confess our sins, he says he is faithful and just to uh, forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And my friend, when he said all, he meant all. So we're confessing to God, not man, unless we wrong men, then we're to confess to men that we've wronged them and asked them to forgive us. Now, they don't forgive us that we're sinners, but they have the responsibility at that point to say, okay, I'll let it go. I won't do this to you. I won't do that to you. I won't throw you in prison. I won't whatever. But they do have responsibilities. As a matter of fact, James chapter 5 a lot of times when people are sick, they have an illness, and they say, let's call for the elders to anoint and pour oil. And that's, that's a good thing to do. If you call for them, you're, you're sick, you, you have called. And I, look, I've done that, and we've prayed for people. But let me also add to that. He said, confessing your faults one to another. Don't expect to have the prayers answered that you're praying for there if you're not willing to make the things right with somebody you may be wrong with. Let's just say that um, Brother Dave Smith's down here. I seen his billfold one day. 
I went through there and just like it normally does, it had $5,000 in it. And uh, I got that $5,000 out, put it in my pocket, and took off, and he doesn't know it, doesn't ever see it, doesn't ever find out that I was the one that did it. Then day, one day I'm struck with something, <laughs> stroke, and, and um, I'm struck with something, and, and then I said, I, boy, I need the men to come together and pray for me. But I know I've done that to David. And, and, you know, I've been good to David ever since, but that one time I heard him, and he didn't even know it. That was me. I still need to go back and make that right with David. If I want the healing hand of God upon me. Now, that's kind of hard because sometimes that is humbling yourself, isn't it? And, and yet, it's the right thing to do. We confess our sins. We make things right, as he said there in that particular passage. Now, I'm saying all that, just get to this point, is the old nature will sin, but we are saved by the grace of God. And the Christian life that pleases God is also one that serves God by grace. Look, I got saved by grace, but I can only serve God by the grace of God as well. And so, again, it must be in the power of His grace by His Holy Spirit leading me. Now, having said that, I'm going to try to review these verses real quickly, and let's get a look at them. Verse 5, again, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. As a pastor, I still go through that, okay? You say, wait, how long have you been saved? Well, I was six years old when I got saved. I'm eight or nine now. And, uh, oh, there's a first thing I've got to commit today, okay? But, um, but what I'm saying is this. All those years, I haven't become perfect. <laughs> I asked my wife. And, and yet... Yet I'm still his child. I still belong to him. But there are times where I'll do something and I'll know that's wrong. And there'll be that, that, that rebuke, that chastening, that thing. And maybe a few things go here wrong. Nothing major, but it just goes wrong here and there. You know, if I ask myself, why did that happen? No, that shouldn't happen to me. I'm probably not paying attention to my spiritual life. Usually when a person's being chastened, he knows why they're being chased. I mean, when my dad spanked me, I knew why I was getting spanked. They called it a beating back then. Now they throw him in jail. I lived in the wrong generation. Uh, but, you know, they, 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 they let you have it. But you knew why you were getting it. Amen. Good answer. Good answer. Good, good praise. But I'm saying is that we are supposed to respond to God immediately. So we go on and read in verse 6. That we're not supposed to, uh, he says, no pain of him, then verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You know what that word scourgeth means? To flog with a whip. I don't believe you should spank your children 
Now, God didn't say to spank them with your children. He said to flog them with a whip, okay? <laughs> so, uh, I know the world disagrees with that, but one day the world is not going to be here. It's going to be God, and he's going to make a new heavens and a new earth, okay? And God got it right, whether men agree with that or not. Dr. Spock, uh, boy, he really came out hard on spanking your children. You shouldn't do that, and so forth, and across the society, they accepted that, and as a result, you have what you have today, crime everywhere, no respect for parents, broken homes, and on, we can go down the line. Why? Because they thought they knew better than God, and God's way seems to be right all along, and it is right all along, and one day they will know it was right when they stand at his seat. Now, we read there, he scourged every son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. Okay, so he dealeth with you if you endure it. He deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Say, so what's that talking about if you endure? That means you got it right. You know why you got a spanking for it, and you're not going to let that happen again. You ever see kids that say, I got in trouble, they grounded me, they did this, they did that. I'm running away, and they do run away. Well, I, boy, I tell you what, once I get out of the house, I'm never going to go back to church again. And they don't. And they're responsible that their children ended up in a burning, fiery hell forever and ever, and their children will always remember that. And you can blame your parents all you want to, but you are actually responsible for your own self. Okay, and so, he goes on to say, uh, he, if you endure chastening, God diffuse with sons, for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, whereof all our partakers, then are ye bastards. That means illegitimate and not sons. Legitimate sons of God. People think, oh, you know what? I, went to church. I said this prayer. They told me to say this prayer. So I said it. And you know what? They told me to get baptized. So I got baptized. So I'm all right. Well, what you learned was that the prayer is hocus pocus. You say it just this way, and you'll repeat it, then you're all right. You can live like you want to. No, you didn't enter into a relationship with him. You did not enter into that personal relationship where he is Lord and God, where he is your father now. No, you didn't do that. So, if you can live in sin continually and know that it's wrong according to the word of God, know that it's wrong, and you can live in that and not be chastened, not be scourged, I can tell you on the authority of God's word right here as we're looking at it, you're not saved. You might have religion, but you don't have salvation. You can't live apart from God uh, if you're his child and not be chastened or scourged. Look, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we find out many of those in Corinth, some were coming in there, some had been living in adultery, living in different ways. Some were coming to the table of the Lord drunk. Some were doing so many different things, uh, gossip, uh, sores of discord. I mean, they were running people down the church. They were running the preachers down. They were running everybody down. They were finding fault with everything they saw. God said, for that cause, many were sickly and some slept. In other words, they died. They didn't go to hell. They died. 
And if you can do things like that and not be chastened or scourged, you're on your way to hell. You only think you're saved because you said some words or you got baptized or somebody said you were all right. No. The relationship with Jesus Christ is not built on hocus-pocus words. They're built on a love relationship and a commitment just like you make in marriage. And so God's will must always be God's way, and we try another way, then you're going to mess up big time. Let's go on to verse 9. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? You see, we were made in God's image, and God is a spirit. Your human spirit is in his image, not your human body. Your body is a vehicle for your spirit. One day a spirit's going to leave this body. Every one of us, the Lord tarries his coming. Uh, and when I say tarry, it doesn't mean that he's decided to change his mind. No, he's going to come when he's already planned to come. We just don't know when that is. So for us, it seems like tarrying. But when he decides to come, he's coming. And he's already decided. He's, we just don't know when. But until then, we're going to die. Every one of us. And then we're going to appear before God. It's that simple. It's that simple. You will appear before God. Now, let's go on and read just a little bit more here. Verse 10. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, that is our earthly fathers, but he for our profit. A profitable faith. What is that? That we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present time seemed to be joyous, but grievous, but nevertheless afterward it yieldeth a peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. Okay, now, when you're chastened, or scourged by God for what's in your life, and you turn to God in repentance as a Christian, you get that thing right, that should lead to holiness and righteousness. Righteousness is living in obedience to the Word of God. That's what enduring that chastening of God is about. Instead of rebelling against, well, look what God put me through. He's saying, you know what? I need to go through that. Praise God. And he goes the right direction. Then you're on the right road as a Christian. Enduring the chastening and the scourging of God is something that we do that leads us to righteousness and holiness. It leads us to examine our, faith, uh, our salvation, but not just our salvation, our faith, our doctrine, our at way that we live according to doctrine to see whether we're actually in the faith living according to the word. And get it right. Get it right. See, legitimate children of God who continue to live in sin, giving in to temptation that is brought on by the world or the flesh or Satan, they're going to be chastened. And again, You know whether you're walking with God as you ought to or not. But if you're going around 
doing what you know is wrong because you've heard it plenty of times from this pulpit or other pulpits from your parents or somewhere else and you know. And you're not, self, you're, you're, you're not chastened by God. You're not scourged by God. Then I can tell you on the authority of God's word again, you better question your salvation. God is not mocked. Without the scourging and chastening hand of God, all you have is religion. Look, I'm looking at America today. Christians, saved people, by God, will be either chastened or scourged as they get away from the things of God and decide, I'm going to walk in the flesh. We've got liberty to do this. We've got liberty to do that. It's always something that fulfills the lust of the flesh when they talk about that. But what I want to tell you is this. When it comes to a country, it's not called scourging. It's not called chastening. When it comes to a country, it's called judging. We better realize if we're part of this country, God set us here as lights in this country. We've got to do our best to bring souls to the Savior. Just not be satisfied is that we're not like them. No, we better be right. Doing what we're supposed to do. But my friend, Jesus came to this earth. He existed throughout all eternity past. In our Sunday school class, Brother Woodard pointed out from Psalms, From everlasting to everlasting thou art God. That's our Savior. But he who was the Son of God throughout eternity past, but only in spirit, come to this earth and took on a human body and became a physical Son of God at that moment. But he had always been the Son of God. 33 and a half years being tempted and tried as we are yet without sin. He never sinned one time. And he was crucified on a cross. Oh, you've heard descriptions of uh, how cruel a crucifixion is. At any time he could have called 12 legions of angels. But I, you know what? I don't even think he had to do that. He created the heaven and the earth. He could have just spoken it. I mean, he calmed the waves of a sea. He could have just spoken it, come off that cross, and that would have been it. But in his love, he wanted to have people to have an opportunity to be saved. Now, he paid our penalty in full, was buried and rose from the dead. To endure that for you, to endure that for me, and then to ignore it and say, I don't want anything to do with this stuff. That's religion. No, that's your only hope of eternal life. And if you don't accept it, and you don't take it, and you don't act upon it, my friend, I can tell you also on the authority of God's Word one other thing. And God's Word has never been wrong. People tried to prove it wrong over the centuries and have yet to do it. Not even one thing. You see, you ignore it. You die without Christ. You're going to spend eternity in a lake of fire where you'll never cease to exist. You'll never escape. And you'll be tormented night and day forever and ever. I believe that one of the torments of hell, besides many that are there, is there be people that sat in the auditorium and heard a message similar to what I'm just preaching to you right now? And you'll hear your mind saying, not now? <laughs> Dumb preacher. A good God wouldn't do that. No, a good God came to die for your sins. And you'll realize 
what an idiot I was, but you realize it too late. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Do you know that you're saved? Are you sure if you died today that heaven's your home? Then my friend, today is the time to make sure. Let's bow our heads, please.